cage around my team. Yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up. Welcome to Podskiwiwi. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, can you believe as we sit here tonight, Tuesday, January the 30th in the year 2024, we are a mere two weeks away from the opening of free agency? Like, does the offseason not go by much quickly, much more quickly than you think it will? Like, I always think like the start of the offseason is the Monday after Grey Cup, right? Like, I know that there's a Grey Cup parade, but you get that's sort of when you kind of turn the page on last year, especially if your team doesn't win, which, as everyone listening to this knows, our team hasn't for quite some time. That's when you, you kind of turn the page and you start looking forward to next year. And then it's kind of like the coaching hiring window and kind of the you get some player re-signings before Christmas. And then it's kind of full bore right into free agency. And then you kind of you get some more, you know, littler signings and then you're it's draft prep and the draft and then bam, it's training camp. And then the season's underway. Like it always feels like when the season ends, man, we got, we got there's such a long roadway until we get to the season starting, but we've already hit this like major signpost. You know what I mean? Like, it's like when yep. you're on a road trip, right? Like you, you start your journey and you're like, Oh man. Then you get to like, you see that marker and you're like, Oh my God, I'm we're, we're in Kingston on the way to Ottawa already. Like, Holy smokes. Where'd the hours go? It feels like we're there now. It's just like it just flies by, does it not? It does, and it's true. You know, I think we talk about this pretty much every year. But you know, every year that passes, it seems that time goes by quicker. Um, you know, you listen to your grandparents and the older people in your life, and they tell you that exact thing, and you don't believe it when you're younger, but it's absolutely true. As you get older, time goes by faster. Not actually, but it just seems that way. And uh, yeah, you got to cherish like every moment. Not to get too <laughs> um, deep on you here, but yes, the uh, the off season always seems to you know, to pick up his pace every single year. Do you know that there is like I don't necessarily know if it's science or math or what it is, but there's like a theory behind that, right? Like because the older you get, one day becomes a smaller portion of your life. Like when you're mm. one years old, one day was one three hundred and sixty fifth of your life. When you're as I am forty two. I'm not going to do the math, but one day is now one, you know, 3,080, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you're right. Like time, it's not how, it's it's just funny how it just feels like time does go by a lot more quickly, but at the same time, it's, there is actually like a theory behind why it feels that way. Even if every day is still 24 hours every year, barring a leap year, which this one is 365 days, it's just, it's still because of that it just feels like you blink and like where did where did the time go like it's it's 2024 like you realize this november it's the 10 year anniversary of the speedy banks punt return of the gray cup that didn't count 
Right. How was that a decade ago? Like how? Like I don't know. That, no that means that means uh, this season will be we have, would have been doing this show for nine years, and that doesn't yep. make any sense to me either. I mean, yeah. it doesn't ne- make any sense. Next January, you know, Odin. If you're out there and you believe in Odin, like or God or whatever, like <laughs> Valhalla, whatever, whatever. The, I, I'm not sure what the weird. But I don't, I don't want to say heaven, heaven, hope because I, I'm, I'm going to piss off some listeners. I don't really believe in God. Where are we um, going with this episode? This is a weird <laughs> beginning. But you know what I mean. Like I'm just saying, yeah. like barring anything catastrophic, yep. next next year at this time we'll have been doing this for ten years, and it's like you crazy. got you got to be That's kidding. Crazy. Like ah, anyway, oh, anyway. Oh, Enough of the existential crisis part of the show. <laughs> Let's talk about some actual football stuff because we do have a lot of a lot of things to chit chat about tonight. But we have to start with the biggest news of the week, and that was the trade that happened on Monday between two teams that don't often trade with one another: the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Toronto Argonauts. The Argos sent Canadian linebacker Jordan Williams and a bunch of draft picks to the Tiger Cats in exchange for a bunch of other draft picks and a negotiationless player. In total. The team swapped eight picks with the Ticats receiving first, second, and fourth round picks in this year's draft and a conditional fourth round pick in next year's draft in addition to Jordan Williams. While the Argos picked up Hamilton's first round and two third round picks in this year's draft, a conditional third round pick in the 2025 draft and the negotiation rights to American receiver Deontay Burnett. The picks are the picks, and they will be what they will be. But the main attraction here is the Ticats picking up a starting caliber Canadian in Jordan Williams. Last season was his first in Toronto after spending his first two years in BC, who selected him with the number one overall pick in the 2020 CFL draft. He has played in 46 career games in the CFL, has 229 defensive tackles, 16 special teams tackles, one sack, one interception, and three forced fumbles. But after two spectacular seasons with the Lions, where he was one rookie of the year in 2021, he had career lows in his only season in Toronto last year, making just 48 tackles and failing to register a sack or a takeaway. So while it is evident that the talent is there, we saw it in BC, he was perhaps maybe not utilized to the best of his abilities with the Argos last year. At least that's what we're hoping as Ticap fans here. Before we get into kind of what this trade means for the team and, and where the follow-up from this could be, what were your initial thoughts? What was your initial reaction when you saw this news on Monday morning that the Ticats had picked up a former number one overall pick at linebacker Jordan Williams from the Argos? Uh, I, I was pretty happy with the deal. I mean, um, like you said earlier, he had a great amount of success early on in his career in BC. Um, he's Canadian, obviously, which is a good thing. But it just, and I know we're going to get into this in a bit, but it, it made me question what they're thinking with the linebackers, right? Because there's still guys that haven't been signed yet, uh, namely uh, Simone Lawrence and uh, Jameer Thurman, two guys that were starters last year in the linebackers' corps. And this kind of throws a wrench into that, right? It's like, who are they going to bring back now? Because Jordan Williams is going to take, not the Sam spot, but one of the spots that uh, either uh, Lawrence or... um, what is his name? Just slipped Thurman. Uh, Thurman. Thurman uh, play. So it's uh, it's an interesting trade because of that reason. They're going to have to make a decision, right, with uh, either Lawrence or Thurman to uh, to take off out of town. So um, very interesting trade when I first saw it. And uh, and all the draft picks, you know, are hard to decipher whether we won or lost that. You can't know until the actual draft picks are made and uh, they play out. But like you said, Jordan Williams is the main attraction. 
Yeah, so we'll get to the Simone Thurman, kind of like what that means in, in a second, um, because obviously we have some thoughts on that. I was, I saw the trade and I was like, hmm, because I didn't think he played particularly well in Toronto last year. I do wonder if he was miscast. Then I saw a tweet from him being like that the news took him by surprise, whereas like last year he had asked to be traded to the Argos because I think he wanted to be closer to the East Coast because I think that that's more of where he's he's from, like the Eastern time zone. I think he has like business interests here, so he wanted to be here. But he, I think he specifically wanted to be in Toronto because it's a big city, and I understand that. So I don't know if he's as enthused to be a Tiger Cat as maybe one would hope. And when I saw that, I started getting to thinking of, well, how long is this contract? And I couldn't find any information on that. Is this going to be a Mike O'Shea situation where they trade for a guy, he plays here a season, and he bolts back? Like, Because if that's the case, then it's like, even though the draft picks are what the draft picks are, if they bring him in, he's only here for a year and they, they don't really win. Like what was the point? But at the same time, it's like, okay, you get a starting caliber Canadian, a guy that has proven previously in this league that he can be a difference maker on defense. You, you can never say no to starting Canadians, but I also am a little weary and I'm curious to get your opinion on this. Teams hoard these types of players like friggin' goblins and Harry Potter hoard wealth. And yet there he's now been, I, I know last year he want, he asked for the trade and the lions granted him his, what he wanted, but now he's been dealt a second time. He's a former number one. Like that throws up a couple of red flags for me, just because teams are so reluctant to give these types of players away, whether you're getting five draft picks or four draft picks or whatever, you don't normally see teams willing to part with starting Canadians and the Argos did makes me a little uneasy on maybe they know something that we don't, you know? Yeah. I never thought about that. It's kind of maybe like a Kabongo type of deal here. Where mm-hmm. I don't know if he has issues with the team or, or, or whatever, but you're right. Teams don't give up ratio breaking players like that, uh, especially at a position where, Usually it's Americans playing. So that's an interesting idea, an interesting thought on your part. So hopefully it's, it's not the case, but uh, yeah, that, that could be, that could be the case. I know we're not looking at this from the Argos point of view, but this is the second starting Canadian that they've traded this off season. They traded Curly Gittins Jr. We never talked about it on the show, but they traded Curly Gittins Jr. to Edmonton Mm -hmm. and they got, who was it? Jake Ceresna in return. So they, they traded him for an American. Now it's, it's a, a really good Canadian receiver, someone that we were both high on entering the season for an all-star American. So it's a little bit different, but I just think of, I'm wondering from an Argos perspective, is this kind of the fallout from the Chad Kelly contract? They were as good as they were the last two years, or at least last season in particular, because they weren't paying their quarterback. Chad Kelly was on a, on second year of his rookie deal was making very little money then he becomes the highest paid player in the league. I know that there's been reports and and I'm sure they're accurate that he has redone his deal in order to give the Argos more flexibility to bring guys back. But this is sort of the cost that comes with paying your quarterback. We look at what Hamilton did when they had the big, the big signing at quarterback, they drop his salary. This allows them to do something like this because Jordan Williams, as I'm not sure what his numbers are, 
but he's a starting Canadian at a what you what you refer to as a ratio breaking position. This isn't your number two Canadian receiver. This is your potentially your starting middle or will linebacker. That's going to cost a pretty penny. So is this maybe some sh- salary shedding on the Argos part? Because now you're you go from paying your quarterback a hundred thousand to paying him five hundred thousand. Well, you got to find that four hundred thousand dollars somewhere. So maybe it's less of the Argos knowing that he's not worth, you know what I mean? Like versus maybe the math has to make sense. And now that you're paying a quarterback big bucks, well, all of a sudden you can't, the roster can't be filled with all-stars like they were last year. Right. And it's interesting in Toronto, they're in a interesting situation with Corey Mace leaving as well. Mm -hmm. Um, There's been rumblings that there could be an exodus of players to Saskatchewan that are fond of Corey Mace, who was the defensive coordinator coordinator last year for the Argonauts. So it could be a very different looking Argonaut team next year, and hopefully they go right in the tank. <laughs> well, and then AJ Let's up for a new deal, and you yeah. know, he's going to want big money, running back or not. And you no got, one's going to pay running backs. So I mean, no, these but, guys aren't giving you have jobs next year. Yeah. Just, well, that's just. Did you see the thing today? Someone posted like it's like Kadeem Carey, William Stanback got released. Yeah. Yeah. Ouellette, Jamal Morrow, and Brady Oliveira. Like, right. five guys who can start in this league. I mean, the Ticats we know won't be in the market for a starting running back, thank God. But you know what I mean? Like, someone's going to – is someone – like, Stanback's probably the guy that's not going to not gonna make it, right? Like, in I wouldn't think so. But at the same time, it's like, I'm sure – doesn't he – but doesn't he feel like someone Chris Jones would pick up? Like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the yeah, main – kind of running, running back, backs, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, I could see him. He's kind of a Chris Jones type of player. Um past his prime obviously, but uh I mean, yeah, I could definitely see that. But anyway, I guess we should get back into the Tie Cats part of this. We've right. already gone on a pair of very off the ball topics today, but we're going to try to keep this nice and tight, but that's probably not going to happen. Let's get into the fun stuff here. What do you think the deal means for the team? You brought up the Simone and Thurman aspect of it. I think it means one or both of those guys aren't back next year. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to go. I think that one of them is is gone. I think they, they'll bring back one of the two um, because they both played pretty well last year. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. Thurman, you know, was pretty consistent over the season. Simone Lawrence had a very good second half of the season. So, um, obviously, Thurman is young. I think Thurman's younger than Lawrence, right? Thurman's younger than Williams. There you go. So Thurman's a young guy. Obviously, Lawrence is getting up there in age, but there's there's the attachment to to the franchise and and all that good stuff. So it's it's I think it's going to be one of the two. I don't think it's going to be both that are gone. I don't know which one it's going to be, but I would say this to Ticat fans, and I'm not saying this because I know anything. I think you have to start to come to terms with the fact that Simone Lawrence won't be in a Tiger Cats uniform next year. Yeah, I'm thinking um, the same thing. I'm thinking the same thing. Just because, like, I, personally, I would keep him. And I did a, an entire, a very long, kind of a 10-minute sort of dissertation on how we got here with Simone Lawrence over on Patreon. I kind of talked about, like, why I think he, he might be out the door, but why I would keep him, kind of what he's meant to this city and this franchise but I do think this is this feels like a Chad Owens leaving Toronto type of situation. I don't know if Simone will go to Toronto, but I do get – it's just because, in, in my opinion, I think Williams is more suited to play Simone's role. I know he's played middle linebacker. He played middle linebacker with the Argos last year. 
he was Enoch Muamba's replacement in the middle there. And I wonder if maybe playing out of out of his position is what caused that dip in his totals. Now he was playing with Adarius Pickett and Winton McManus, two of perhaps the best at their position. I would say the two best at their positions in the league. So that might have had something to do with it as well. But I think he's more suited to play that will spot that Simone plays. Now you could make it work, obviously. I don't know if I, because the thing with Thurman is he's going to cost more than Simone. And now you're already paying Williams, who again, I I don't have his contract numbers. I looked, I couldn't find them. So I'm not sure what his numbers are, but he's not making, he's not, playing for cheap he's a canadian starter they make a lot of money everyone who follows this league knows that so if it's a money thing i think simone's back over thurman if it's an age thing it's definitely thurman thurman's the youngest of the three like what people i don't think understand is jordan williamson's 30 this year like i know he's only been in the league three years but he tried to make it in the nfl he got into the cfl draft not due to like i think one of his parents was born in in canada so it's one he's one of those types of players but he's not young but now he's, you know, he's five years younger than Simone and Thurman's Thurman turns, I think he turns 29 this year. So he's even younger than both of them. But if it's an age thing, you go with Thurman. If it's a money thing, I think you go with Simone. But I just think that that fans have to come to the realization that there's a real good chance that number 21 in a tie catch uniform doesn't have Lawrence on the back next year. The other thing too, that, and I tried to, I tried to nip this in the bud on social media this week. He's not a Jordan Williams is not a Chris Edwards replacement. He is not a Sam linebacker. So this is not a case of, oh, well, we brought in Jordan Williams. We can still keep Simone Lawrence and Jameer Thurman. I think this is a move where one of those guys is definitely gone. He Jordan Williams will not replace Chris Edwards as the Sam linebacker. That is not what his skill set is for. That's not what his size is for. So yeah, he's too I, big, right? He's, just like he's a, too big. Can't cover. Can't cover. No. And like, I think people, I think, because we use the term linebacker, I think people that it's Sam linebacker it's spot a is it's a, it's a D exactly. It's, yeah. it's a DB who can tackle essentially. It's if you were yeah. to look at an NFL roster, it's a safety, but a little bit big. like, cause for instance, Eric Harris played Sam linebacker for the Hamilton Tiger cats for a couple of years or earlier in uh, our last decade, I guess, Jesus Christ, 2013, yeah. 2014 was the last decade. That's, I don't like, I don't like thinking <laughs> that way, Mike, yeah. speaking Can't of existential go. dread with the years, but he when he went to the NFL, he became a free safety. And right now he's on the practice roster of the San Francisco 49ers. But so that's kind of that's you gotta think more of a of that type of a player, more of a Rodney Harris. Like if you want to think of an NFL player, it's it, like I know Stavros plays safety, but it would be essentially they're a second safety who can they can hit and they can cover. I don't know who that guy's gonna be. Like a Darius Pickett was it for the, the Argos last year and was I mean, he was a finalist for defensive player of the year. So clearly he's great. That'd be a great replacement for Edwards. Don't know if they'll do it, but that'd be a perfect one. But it's not, Jordan Williams is not that. So we kind of have to just ex-nay that. The other thing though, and I'm curious about your thoughts on this. It feels like the Canadian spots are now set. You got your three offensive linemen, Beard, Revenberg, and Woodmansey. One Canadian receiver, Keandre Smith. One defensive lineman right now, Muhammad Diallo. Williams at linebacker. And Katzentonis at, at safety. There's your seven Canadians. What do you think about that? I like it. Uh, so you think Diallo is going to be a starter in the interior of that? Uh, uh, he was last year before he got hurt. Like that's right. they were starting. He started the first, he started every game he played before he got injured. He was a starter, and and yeah. Laurent was the guy they rotated in. And then um, so 
So what if they bring back Wynn, like, and uh, they have Casey Sales still too, right? Um, yeah, you, you well, it's it's like when they had Wynn. You do rotation. Of, it's it's uh, like when you had Wynn, Laurent, and um, Micah Johnson the year before. Right. Yeah. Remember, okay. like, do you remember when they signed Micah Johnson and we were on here going, well, Ted Laurent's gone. Like, they had mm-hmm. Dylan Wynn. He's already signed. They're going to go. And then two days later, like, Ted Laurent signed. And it's like, well, yeah. hold on. Like, so, again, I, I think fans might be holding out that hope for the linebackers as well, that Thurman and Simone can come back. But it's a different. So you don't really rotate linebackers in like that. Mm, no. um, unless the plan is Simone comes back on the cheap. Thurman is your starter and Simone's more of your, but I don't know if you like, you know, your backup. Yeah. Kind of comp- I can see him taking less money, but I just, I don't see him being a, a wanting to be a backup. Like I don't think yeah. so either. I think he could still start in yeah. this league. And I think it'd be yeah. a little bit insulting to ask him to take, to, to, to take a hometown discount and then not be a starter. I just, and, I don't. And I also, I also think fans are going to have to, you know, there's a possibility that he signs with the Argonauts because just, of course. You know, he, he lives in the area. It would make sense. I don't know if the Argonauts would be interested necessarily in him, but uh, I could see him going there if, you know, the tie cats aren't an option. And that would just be, uh, I can't imagine. I think that I, here, okay, well, yeah. here's why I can splash some cold water on that. They just okay. resign with McManus and they play the same position. So okay, there you go. And McManus is obviously in his prime and, and much better yes. at this point in time. So that's yeah. probably not going to happen. Perfect. No, I don't. Good, I, good, I think good, it's, good. it's, it might be more likely that Simone goes west. Or he goes to Ottawa, where all the ex-Tie Cats mm. are. Like, I mean, yeah. never discount yeah. the Ottawa Red Blacks from taking a, sure. a former Tie Cat player. So, but but the seven Canadian thing, like, it just we're not going to for we're not going to see that force two Canadian receiver thing next year, which I think is no. huge. Yeah, I think like so, that so. just makes me like and I, I think love the guy like, that we have at receiver is going to take a step up next year. I mean, Keandre Smith, uh, Keandre Smith step up last um, year. I know, and and we were expecting that from him, and he showed some flashes near the end again of the season, but um, and sometimes it's just a, it's a lack of getting the ball type of thing, you know, the position that he plays within the receivers group. But uh, I expect good things from him, not just that token Canadian out there next year. No, and and like he took he took a step in his second year, like it was maybe it wasn't as consistent as we would have hoped. Mm-hmm. But he set he he built on what he did in year one and year two, like had better numbers across the board, like like basically doubled all his statistics, if I'm not mistaken. So I to it to not to expect him again. I expect a similar like last year. I think he was like 40 something catches for like a little under 500 yards. Like this year, I could see him being in that you know 50 catch 700 yard conversation, especially if the offense. Mm-hmm works a little bit like that's that's where again you want to see that continue and he's in a contract year like if he has a big year right. this year maybe he as as one of the few because i think right now that there's kind of a, a dearth of canadian receiver talent like you have guys like nick dembski but he's getting a little long in the tooth now too like you look around the league and there you don't really see a lot of those like at one time we had andy fantuz and brad sinopoli and like you know what I mean? Like there were, yeah. there were Jason a number. Jason Claremont and you know, yeah, that was like a there bit were a number him, but, of yeah. legitimate, like like not that token guy that you throw out there on the wide side and just hope that no one pays attention. Like legitimate thousand yard caliber Canadian receivers. Right now we don't have a ton of those guys. Curly Gittins can be one of those guys. He has been one of those guys in the past, but yeah. now we have to see what he looks like on a team. So you know what I mean? So. To not have to force 
a second guy in there, which I think the tie, I know the tie cats wanted to do two years ago and they did do last year. I think to the detriment of the offense, I think it hurt the offense more than it helped to have to use two Canadians there. You now, you know, you're going to have two bookend American tackles. Like it feels as if the roster is built. Now you're gonna have to find backups for some of these guys. Like now cats and Tonus, I think there's backups in place already. They drafted a couple safeties last year. I think, again, I expect those guys to take a step up in year two. You're going to have to find some Canadian linebackers to step in if Williams gets hurt. So that could change some math there. Like Diavo's going to need like Ticats. We're going to talk about free agency in a second, but Ticats could lose a lot of Canadian defensive line depth. So if you're going to start a Canadian, you got to find some guys there to play. So there's definitely still some moves to be made here, but having this, what looks like their seven Canadian set and seeing how they're doing it, I think it's, I think they built it much better this year than they did last year. Yeah. And it's so early. I mean, relatively early in the off season to have those seven in place already is uh, is a very good thing. And we might have some breaking news here, Josh, um, <clears throat> on the transaction page from today, Joel Figueroa is on there. Um, he might've restructured his contract. I'm not exactly sure how this works, but Ooh. he's on there from today. And it says uh, the, under the action, it says add. So maybe uh, yeah, that's a restructure. Okay, there you yeah, go. That's definitely a restructure. So that's um, because if you look at same thing, Chad Kelly, January twenty sixth, same thing, add. So that is so Figueroa did restructure his contract then, to which is something that's we're going to talk about um later in the episode. So I guess that that will cut down on something that I thought, but that's definitely a uh, definitely now usually if it's a new contract now that's. They used to be where they'd be deleted, then added. That's how we found out about um, Bo Levi Mitchell. Went on yes. there and it's like, oh, he had been deleted, then re-added. Oh, he signed a new deal. So this is, it, it's the same thing because Kelly apparently did restructure his contract. And there it is right there. So yeah, that's exactly what that means. He has restructured his deal. And he used to do a bonus, right? Uh, coming he up was here. $6,000 so. on Thursday. Yeah. So my guess is either he signed on for an additional year and got money kicked down the road or gave some money back, which makes sense. Um, I know we weren't going to talk about that that now, but I guess we might as well get into it right now. There were some bonuses due for some Thai Cats players. Figueroa was one of them. Jonathan Kongbo was another. Um, and then David Beard was the third. Uh, looks like Figueroa's redone his deal. He was due... $50,000 on his, what, $200,000 salary. So like a quarter of his salary was due on Thursday. So it looks like that's, again, we'll, we'll probably know more when we get back together next week, what actually happened here, but that's definitely something that happened. Kongbo we saw get released by the team. He said he requested his release. Uh, I'm a little, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, get a hundred and sixty three thousand dollar contract and fifteen thousand dollars due on Thursday. And he opted like he didn't have a good year last year and he opted to get I, I don't know. Again, I'm not going to call the dude a liar. No reason to do. But I just eh, we all knew that this deadline was coming. We all knew we didn't play that well last year. We'll see what, what happens when he if he make maybe he wanted to go play in one of the like, you know, the UFL if he signs another CFL team. I guess we'll see. And then the last one here is Beard, who is due $25,000 on Thursday on an extension he signed with the team back in the spring of last year. We know that Kongbo got released. Did that surprise you at all that he got released just quickly? No. Like like you said, he came in last year. Um, 
you know, from BC and it didn't go well there. There was kind of a bad breakup. Uh, he came in and I thought that he would make an impact and he just, he just didn't. So um, I am not surprised that he's gone. He's a Canadian and obviously um, a talented guy, but he just, he just didn't work out. Yeah. Same here. Figaro, we know got obviously, well, we don't know, but we can assume, I think fairly educatedly that he's restricted his deal. Does that surprise you at all? Uh, not really. No, I think, uh, you know, to find the details of it, uh, uh, maybe it'll be less surprising. Maybe you took a little bit less just because of the injury troubles he had last year. Right. I don't think you can pay him that top salary just because, you know, he might get injured again next season. So I'm uh, not overly surprised by that. And if it's a, if it's a bit of a pay cut uh, that will help the team, uh, I'm obviously happy with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised either. To me, when when I set out the outline for today, my opinion on that was like 50-50, whether he would actually get the bonus. I thought it was 50-50, whether he'd actually be on the team. Like it was, to me, it was a true coin flip. Like I could see Mm -hmm. because, and I think I mentioned this on one of my Patreon shows when this bonus thing came out, like he had some leverage, but the team had some leverage. You know what I mean? Like he had leverage in the fact that He's a starting caliber left tackle, and there aren't a lot of really great ones out there. Now, Jamarcus Hardrick hasn't signed, re-signed with the Bombers yet, so maybe there was a thing where it's like, okay, well, I know he played right tackle with the Bombers because Stanley Bryant played left, but I'm sure he he could play both. And the other thing, and this, again, so that's from the kind of the team perspective there. The other thing from the team perspective is, well, they, they re-signed Brandon Kemp, they re-signed Jordan Murray. Jordan Murray played left tackle for the Ticats in 2021, so he could easily slide. So it's like both sides kind of had. Mm-hmm. And Kemp had some time at left tackle last year as well. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd, I'd be much. Again, we're working in a, in a fantasy world now where Figueroa's not here. I would have been much more comfortable with Murray going back left. And could you, I think you can hide. And I, say, I think I've said this before. You can hide a, a younger player, I think, and their deficiencies more at right tackle than you can at left, like especially with an immobile quarterback such as Boliva Mitchell. I think you need that like brick wall on the on the left side more so than you do the right. But it looks like he's coming back. So it looks like when we talked about offensive linemen last time, like that looks to be set. Looks like it's going to be Figueroa, Revenberg, Beard, Woodmanzie, and Jordan Murray with Brandon Kemp being that sixth American offensive lineman. So that's not that's not terrible in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But Beard's the other guy. Do you think he's going to get paid? I, I yeah. outright I do. He signed this. Right. He signed an extension with the team. I don't. He was by far their best offensive lineman last year outside of Revenberg. I think he was great last year. He's one of the best centers in the league. This team Getting has money. spent money on the offensive line. I just don't see any reason why they would get rid of him. No, I mean either. It's uh, he's a he's a top quality center in this league, and, and uh, you know probably a leader along that offensive line. So yeah, I I I say pay the man, give him all the money, and you know. He'll be a great asset to this team. Yeah, I'm just, I'm now kind of, I'm interested to see how this works because you don't normally see backup American offensive linemen carried on the game day roster. But my understanding is, I think I saw some reporting from three down, but I've also had a couple of conversations because despite the fact that I don't do that anymore, I still know some people. Brandon Kemp got a decent amount of money for and America, you know what I mean? Like he didn't get like superstar starter money, but he didn't get like, you're never going to see the field type money. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm very curious to see what the team does now that they've, they've re-signed all these offensive linemen and have 
theoretically, at least from what we saw, what we think, kept Joel Figueroa in the mix. It's, an, it's a lot of money. It is. It's a lot, lot of money now. along the offensive line, for sure. Yeah, but is that a bad thing or is that a good thing? Mm, yeah, I mean, it could be a great thing. It could be um, maybe they, they overspend in one area. We've seen that before, right? But uh, yeah. to me, it's a great thing because you know how horny I am about the offensive line. So. <laughs> So last year it was they spent all the money on the defensive line. The year before it was they spent all the money on the secondary. Secondary. None of that worked. So now they spent all the no. money on the offensive line. That's got to work, right? Like third time's a charm, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's 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 definitely gonna work out this year. All right. Let's speaking of spending money, let's spend someone else's money here. We were talking about defense a little bit earlier. We we're talking about free agency. We might as well just like springboard into what is our first free agency discussion this year. And we're going to talk about defensive free agents. So the Ticats currently have 18 defensive players scheduled to hit the open market in two weeks. They include eight defensive linemen, five linebackers, and four defensive backs. Amongst the names are Malik Carney, Jagarit Davis, Jamal Davis, Ted Laurent, Dylan Wynn, Simone Lawrence, Jameer Thurman, Tunde Adelike, Chris Edwards, and Richard Leonard. Which of those guys are any, that's not all of them, but those are kind of like the superstar starter types of those guys, of any of the guys on the pending free agent list, who do you want to see back in black and gold in 2024? You got a couple names here that you're like, got to, got to bring them back. I got six on the list, which might be a little um, high. That's, but, that's uh, high, buddy. That is yeah, high. I know. I know. I, you know, maybe I'm, my fan is showing here and some of my favorites are coming out. Oh, well, let's just start with Ted Laurent because God damn it, he's not going anywhere. Okay, he will, every <laughs> every year I write him off, he comes back, so he's going to be back this year. Um, I got Malik Carney. I think that there's potential there along the defensive line. Same with Jamal Davis. I think the defensive ends we need to get pressure. Um, Jameer Thurman, I think, is going to be back. The fans speaking right now, Dylan Wynn. I I know that he's had his injury problems over the last couple of years. But, man, if you could just get him healthy, I think he would be such an asset along the interior defensive line. Um, you know, I'm just a huge Dylan Wynn fan. And then Richard Leonard, you know, the the best uh, DB not named Cassantonis that was on the team last year. I think he brings a lot of leadership, and he's still playing at a very high level. So I'd love to see him come back in black and gold. Okay, so I didn't hear the name Simone Lawrence, but we're going to park that to the side for a second. Because I'm with you on some of these. Um, th- to me, the guys that I you I think you absolutely have to do your damnedest to bring back, I think, are Richard Leonard. I think, Katz and Tonus included, I think he was Hamilton's best DB last year. I think in what's going to be, again, we talked about it with, with the receivers and we talked about some other players like second and third year guys taking a step up. Kenneth George is going to be there. We're Javian Elliott's hopefully going to be recovered from his injury and be back. He is a bit of a veteran presence, but not as much as Leonard. You have a guy like, uh, what was his name? Dexter Lawson was out there. Like there's some young DBs in this team that are going to be asked who played a lot and played well last year, but you still need that veteran guy back there. And I think Richard Leonard kind of can galvanize that group. So he's like top of the charts for me to bring back defensive line, Jamal Davis and Dylan Wynn. Jamal Davis, I think, I think we can we can look at what the Ticats have already done and think the the Canadian defensive end experiment with Jonathan Kongbo, Mason Bennett, I think that's done. Like I think they're going to go to them now. They went a lot with two Americans last year on uh, at the end spots, but I think I don't think we're going to see Canadian a Canadian starter at the defensive end position this year. 
if you got a guy like Jamal Davis who can be a game breaker on the defensive line, we saw it in Montreal, we saw it a little bit in Hamilton, but again, I'd love to see what he could do with a full offseason, a full training camp with this team to, to wreak havoc. And Dylan Wynn, yeah, maybe it is a little bit of the fan hat, but I saw him at Grey Cup, and the guy still is built like a brick shit house. He still looks powerful. He still looks strong. I know he wants to be here. You know what I mean? Like, he's he epitomizes Hamilton Tiger Cats football to me. Like, he's he's a throwback to the to John Barrows and the Angela Moscas. Like, he's a player like that. I would hate to see him play somewhere else. And I also think he's a guy, yeah, I know he just turned, I believe he's 30, but 30's not ancient in football terms. I mean, the Ticats just trade a bunch of draft picks to bring in a 30-year-old linebacker. So I I still, I, I know, like you said, he's dealt with injuries the last couple of years, but I do think that he can, he can recapture what he had in 2019 and 2021. Like, I still think that he can play, I still think he's got a ton of good football left in him. And I would just absolutely hate to see him go elsewhere be healthy and and go back to the player that we saw when he first signed with the Thai Cats five years ago. Now, the linebacking thing is tricky for me. So for me, I'm going with Simone over Jameer Thurman, and that's not a knock at Jameer Thurman. I thought Jameer Thurman was great last year. I just can't envision. I know I said earlier, Thai Cat fans need to get used to it. I just can't envision Simone Lawrence wearing another uniform. I, I really just can't. It just it just doesn't look right, and. At first, bo- I wanted both these guys back, but then they made the trade, and now that's not going to happen. Like, I think Ticat fans need to understand, and maybe I'll look stupid <laughs> in two weeks, both of these guys won't be back. There's just no—I just don't see a way in which that works out. Uh, to me, it's 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 got to be Simone. So why wasn't Simone on your list? I'm, I'm very curious. I— <clears throat> I did kind of a thing where I was I want Simone back as a fan, but I just think that he's not going to be here. I, I think that Ed Hervey is going to get rid of him. I don't think Ed Hervey has like, you know, he's not going to be worried about what the fan base thinks. Absolutely not. So, Nor should he be. Nor should he. No, be no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so I just have a feeling that he won't be back now. If he if he does come back and they 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 uh, get rid of Jameer Thurman. I'll be fine with that. I'll be happy to see Simone come back, but just like a mixture of uh, fan and uh, like reading the tea leaves kind of thing, looking into the into the future, I see them bringing Thurman back and uh, letting Lawrence go. Unfortunately, but I could be wrong. I, I am. Yeah, like I I think there's a better chance of both being gone than it than them choosing Thurman over Simone. But that's just me. Again, that's mm-hmm. just just in my I don't know. Um, you mentioned Malik Carney, Ted Laurent. Those are a couple guys that, like, if they bring him back, I'd be happy with. But I, I could see both going elsewhere. Nick Cross, not someone I mentioned earlier, but he's coming back from an injury. I don't know if he'll be ready for the start of the season, unfortunately. But special the Ticats, teams demon, right? Special, special teams, teams demon, demon, and the Ticats are going to need Canadian linebacking depth if they plan to start Jordan sure. Williams. So, I know Nick Cross isn't a traditional. Mike linebacker or even a will linebacker. He actually played when he got hurt last year, he was actually came in and played Sam linebacker because of all the injuries the team suffered. Actually, I think he was playing DB. Yeah, he did because they kicked Chris Edwards down to Sam and they had to, because remember what, remember that game? I think it was against BC when like three defensive backs got hurt. Like Patrick Burke was playing Sam linebacker at one point. Like it was just a hot, it was, it was a hot mess of injuries in that game. 
I think you're, this team's going to need to get some Canadian linebacking depth. And Nick Cross is a, is tremendous on special teams. So he'd be a guy that I'd, I'd try to bring back as well. But to me, it, that that's like, those are like the secondary moves. Like when it comes to like, who are the guys they should focus on now? In my opinion, it's Jamal Davis, it's Dylan Wynn, it's Richard Leonard are the three big names that I would, I would try my hardest to bring back for next season. Where though, do you think the team should kind of focus their energy when it comes to upgrading on that side of the ball? Like, are there specific positional groups that you would, you see where guys might be leaving and think, okay, maybe they need to find some talent there. Or there's just some positions where you're like, oh, they're going to need to fill out the roster. Maybe they can get better here. Where are you kind of falling on that? Like where, where, where are you looking at for this team to get better on defense through maybe the free agency process? Yeah, I got I got three names from the free agent pool right now, but I think they should focus on the secondary a bit, bring in some guys with a little bit of experience to push the younger guys. And I'm not necessarily saying that the younger guys are going to get overthrown by these players, but just to get bring in some competition to to push them. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, I think the secondary is a, is a big focus point, and I don't think it should be an all star. Uh, team or anything like that, but just to have a little bit more experience uh, in the secondary would be a very good thing. And I think they need to find a legit uh, defensive end that can yeah. bring pressure. So those are the, the 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 spots that I'd be focusing on. Yeah, I mean, like linebacker is an obvious spot because before they traded for Jordan Williams, all three of the guys that were starting there last year were all free agents. Yeah. So clearly that's somewhere. And you know what? To be honest with you, Jameer Thurman was good. But I think you could, I mean, maybe they did find an upgrade in Jordan Williams. Simone was good, but they're, I mean, I don't think there's any upgrades out there unless it's Jameer Thurman because he can play well. But, and Chris Edwards, we know won't be back and they're going to have to find someone to play that spot. Now, maybe they go internal. I think Carthel Flowers Lloyd would be an excellent internal replacement. It would, it would show that if you do great on special teams, that the team does give you an opportunity on the defensive side of the ball, which we didn't see last year. So I think that would be one of those things where you're like, oh, if you excel somewhere else, we'll give you a shot here. Um, defensive end, though, to me, is the big one. Like, last year, their ends weren't good enough. Jagger Davis, who we neither of us mentioned because I don't think we believe he'll be back, nor do I think he should be back, was a disappointment. They had to go out and get Jamal Davis near the end of the season because of how disappointing the, the, the play was from the DNs. There's um I don't know if there's a ton of guys out there that they could they could snag, but there are a couple, but we'll get to that in a second. Um and the other one is I, I agree with you, some defensive back help, specifically the field side. Like if Richard Leonard leaves, yep. well now that that wide side of the field, like it's looking a little barren out there when it comes to comes to some named guys. So maybe that's somewhere they should focus their energy as well. So you mentioned that you have a list of some guys that you would like to see them go kind of poach elsewhere. So who, who are you got the Ticats maybe targeting in your mind to, to maybe fill some of these holes on defense? Well, you mentioned the field corner there, and I think a guy like Mike Jones. Who? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, I think a guy like Mike Jones would be a, a good addition to that secondary, maybe push some guys. Um, B- BC you know, Lions? Yep, yep, BC Lions. Um, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber. I think yeah. he won two great cups with them. So I think he'd be a good addition. And another guy that, you know, a flash from the past, Alden Darby. I think okay. that if you bring him in, he could play Sam. Um, or he could be, uh, you know, a guy that can play in the defensive 
backfield, right? So I know that Sam is basically a DB, but you could he's a versatile guy that didn't really get a chance when uh, he was brought in, right? That was the year that we had the all-star group in, in the yeah. secondary, and we couldn't find a spot for Alden Darby. So I think you bring him in, and it's not quite as crowded now, and I think that he could be a very good, versatile player, whether he's at Sam or in the in the secondary. And then my third pick is Matthew Betts. He's a he's a pending free agent. He's a Canadian. He led the league in sacks last year. And I know there's been some criticism of him. Maybe, you know, the interior defensive line in BC helped him out to get all those sacks and everything. But hell, if we have a good interior defensive line in Hamilton, then we can help him out as well. And he can rack up the sacks, get the pressure on the quarterback. So those are the three guys that I was uh, focusing in on for free agents. So I was look like we said defensive line. We said like I'm not looking outside the building at linebackers. Like I I looked at the linebacking stuff and it was it was Larry Dean, it was Micah Awe, but I just I don't know. I, we talked about it when we talked about Simone last week. Like I wasn't really, or I guess two weeks ago now I think it was I wasn't really high on on any of those guys as kind of replacements there. I basically go pilfer the Argos, man. Like, you want defensive linemen? Sean Oakman, Dwayne Hendricks, Brandon Barlow, all great players, all played for the Argos. Like, steal a couple of them if you can. Defensive back, what about Jamal Peters? Bring Jamal mm-hmm. Peters in, have him. You can kick Kenneth George out to field side corner, have Jamal Peters as your boundary side corner, and lock that down like it was locked down with uh, with Delvin Bro for all those years. Sam Linebacker? I really actually do think, like, like I don't think, I don't know. I won't say I don't think. I don't know if Alden Darby want to come back just because of how I felt he was treated here. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But That's fair. You do, you do make a good point in that he's versatile enough where, and and the, the group now is not as crowded. It would make sense for him to be a guy here. But if you're going to go after a Sam linebacker, go after the cream of the crop. Go after Darius Pickett. Go, like, he's been really vocal on social media about like where should i go like he's been kind of like courting fans to like ask him to come now obviously you mentioned earlier the Corey mace of it all him going to saskatchewan maybe pickett's a guy like the riders released Derek moncrief maybe pickett's the guy that goes there i think that the whole toronto exodus to saskatchewan i think is going to end up being at when there's all the like dust settles He's going to be a little bit more over, but like, cause everyone, uh, well, Wint McManus is going to go there and, and a bunch of these guys have re-signed with, with the Argos. So I think that's maybe a little more overblown than it has to be. I like the Matthew Betts idea. I just think that that's a really expensive. And now you're turning the, the defensive end position back into a Canadian one. I just think of, I just Who's see the moves that Ticats have made. Yeah. Well, I just see the moves that Ticats have made. And it's just like, do you want to go with eight Canadian stars? Like, I don't know. Anyway, I mean, it's not about, you can get an all-star caliber, a, a Defensive player of the year winner. Yeah. You, I don't care what nationality they are. You go and try to do that. What about Jackson Jeffcoat? I know he's a little longer in the tooth, but that's a guy that has had plenty of success in this league. Word came out this week that he's going to, he's not going to resign with the Bombers before he can hear what other teams say during the legal tampering period. So maybe there's the possibility of stealing him. And then there's Pete Robertson, who's from Saskatchewan. They've signed Anthony Lanier. Maybe they don't have enough money to bring Pete Robertson in. Maybe the Argos are, or the Riders are looking at stealing one of the Argos defensive linemen and letting Robertson go. There's a guy there. And if and one last player, and you mentioned a blast from the past in Alden Darby. 
What about going and taking Siante Evans and bringing him back? I talked to him during Grey Cup week. He didn't have a bad thing to say about Hamilton. He he left Hamilton not with any bad blood, but he's like business is business. I'm going to Montreal. Like it and it worked out for him. Won a Grey Cup, so good for him. But what about bringing him in to, to, as a veteran presence? Like say Richard Leonard leaves, you go snag Siante Evans, bring him as a veteran presence to kind of coalesce that that defensive secondary there's a lot of options out there but for the most part i'm just saying go steal the best players from the argos they went 16 and 2 last year they won the great cup the year before why not go steal their roster you know what i mean it's not like the red black steel and tie cats players where it's like well you can take a bunch of players from teams that went nine and nine congratulations let's go take from the best and all these guys are really good and would really help this team and as we know Argos players are not adverse to moving down the highway to play in Hamilton because they can still live in Toronto. They can still go to Toronto to do a bunch of the cool shit you can do in Toronto that you maybe can't do in Hamilton, but you get to play for a much more rabid fan base. We've seen it a ton, tons of times before. So when's right now, obviously you're not going to get all of these players, but one or two of them, I think could make for a pretty interesting roster composition. If, uh, if the tiger cats just steal a bunch of the Argos players. Yeah, I wouldn't complain. I mean, the Argonauts were obviously a very talented roster last year and to get some of them uh, to come down the QEW I think would be a good thing and none of these guys are entrenched Argos you know what I mean like I saw right. again Darius Pickett was on social media and, and a bunch of Ticat fans were like come down the highway and they're like oh man you guys didn't really like me last year and it's like yeah but that was last year we're willing like mm-hmm. how many people forgave Chad Owens when Chad Owens came over like I, I got on board for crying out loud do you, do you remember? Do you, do you remember what, what I said when Chad Owen signed? I said uh, something about a jersey, or was that later on? I you do no, that was it. I was gonna if he had yeah. a thousand yards with the Tie Cats, I was gonna buy his jersey. He got hurt yeah. and finished with like eight hundred and sixty yards. I was like, fucking Christ, that was close. That was you know, close. Chad Owen jersey, and then he was gone the next year, so it would have been a stupid purchase anyway. Um, yeah. But I would have been a man of my word. I would have went on and got it. But once they're on our team, they're on our team. As long as they haven't done anything egregious, you know, in the past where we can't accept them at all. I mean, um, some people, some people accepted Chris Edwards. A lot didn't to their credit. Yeah, I, a lot yeah. didn't, but some I, were I like, did. well, he's one of us now. See, yeah, my, yeah. my thinking last year was like, oh, they're bringing in Duke Williams and Chris Edwards. They're getting an edge to them. Oh, I kind of like that, but it did, it did not work out. It way. did not work. It no. did not work whatsoever. They were, Chris Edwards, for the most part, was on his best behavior, but then... And he was a pretty good player on the field, but then it all, you know, yeah, and his, his true character showed eventually. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately did. But yeah, like, you can... Ticats going to the Argos and coming back... No one does anyone really remember Joe Monfort or Archie Amerson, the Toronto does anyone remember Mike Morreale, the Toronto Argonaut? No. Mm-hmm. Those guys have long been forgiven for those sins. Any I remember Argo being heartbroken. Are, I remember being heartbroken about the Monfort. Monfort uh, went, departure. yeah, me too. Um, yeah, that that stung yeah, a little bit. It did. But here's the thing. If any of those guys from the Argos come down here and win a great cup, they're tie cats. No, oh yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It no, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. They are tie cap players if they help this team win a championship and they will all pass sins, as you said, will be forgiven. I it's it's gonna be an interesting free agency period. You know what I mean? Like I because this one, I'm not sure what the team's going to do. We don't know who the coaches are yet, which to me is it bugs me a little bit, but it's not surprising. Like I've had some conversations with some fans and it's like, man, when do you expect this to happen? It's like, well, last year they didn't announce any coaches until May, 
but there was not any sort of like upheaval on the, like the head coach was coming back. We knew the coordinators were signed from like, there wasn't any. And Scott Milanovic said like, Hey, we're going to have, these guys are going to like during his intro press conference, like in a couple of weeks, like I thought we'd have this solved before Christmas. We're seeing like, we how do you sign players if you don't know what defense they're going to run? Yeah. You better be coming you know I mean? soon, man. It better does be coming this, soon. Does this tell you then that the staff that we had last year is basically coming back? I'm not sure what it tells me. <laughs> I, I, I really don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it is getting close here. I mean, we're coming to the tampering uh, period and yeah. we should have, you know, all the coaches in place by the time that hits. So, I'm expecting something there to be, you know, a press release to come out in the coming days or in a week from now because, uh, you know, we're running out of time here. So who's going to be the DC? Who's going to be calling the plays? Like, these are things we need to know. Well, because the thing is, it's like you don't want to bring in players for a Mark Washington defense if your defensive coordinator is – I know he's not going to be, but it, if you're running a Mark Washington defense, you want certain players. If you're running a Noel Thorpe defense, you want different ones. You know what I mean? Like – so if they change philosophies where they go to like a blitz heavy pressure man defense versus, you know, a, more of a sit back in zone and and wait for the other team to make them like scheme matters with with now, for, you know, good coordinators, good coaches adapt their scheme to the players they have, but they also have entrenched kind of viewpoints. We don't know what this team's going to look like from a coaching perspective outside of, offensively speaking, it's going to be Scott Milanovic. Like, I think any coaching, even if they bring in an offensive coordinator, it'll be a name only. We know Milanovic is going to call plays. That's what he does best. So you don't hire an offensive-minded head coach and then be like, well, we're going to strip you a play call. Like, that doesn't make any sense. So, like, but on the defensive side, that's where things are, like, that's where it's kind of a wild card. Like, Milanovic had Chris Jones in Toronto as his defensive coordinator um who was the like do you remember who his dc was supposed to be when he was i don't know if he ever got together did he put together a staff in edmonton in 2020 i don't i don't think it got that far i could be wrong but i just i don't think they ever announced the staff like that he was supposed to be a part of i could be wrong on that though i'm gonna look it up just to see if there was anything there like coaching staff wise um he was the offensive court oh noel thorpe was going to be his defensive coordinator that would be good. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but we know that's not going to happen because no yeah, yeah, in, uh, yeah, yeah, in uh, which Montreal. Uh, yeah, the Alouettes, right? Yeah, he's yeah, he's still the defensive coordinator in New York. Yeah, in, in Montreal. Who was his? Who after Chris Jones left? Who the hell did he have as his DC? Looking that up right now. Oh, it was Tim yeah. Burke. And his linebacker. Oh, good God! His linbacker coach was Casey Curryhan. Oh, yeah. That's when it all started falling apart in Toronto, yeah. probably. <laughs> well, I mean, he did have as his offensive coordinator. He did have an offensive We had Marcus Brady as offensive coordinator. Not bringing Marcus Brady. And Marcus Brady's an NFL guy now. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, and there was no coaching cap then, so you could bring a bunch of different guys in. Right. And even if he wasn't We can, we can uh, suspect that he'll probably be yeah. the OC. I yeah, I, yeah. I think that that was probably the – way that they could pay him more money. You're the head coach or the offensive coordinator. So you get essentially mm-hmm. two paychecks. We can pay you a little bit more, but now you're going to have one less person on your staff. Like maybe he brings in like a Jamie Elizondo, who I know he's tight with as like maybe a quarterback's coach or, or an offensive assistant of, of some yeah. sort um, kind of bounce ideas off of. And that, but it, to me, it's the defensive side of the ball. Like I don't know who his defensive coordinator could end up being 
So I don't think that there was anyone on staff last year that I think like your Randy Melvin's, your Robin Ross's. Like, I don't think those are someone that you'd see elevated to the defensive coordinator position. Like those guys feel like and look like when I watched those guys are kind of entrenched positional coaches. I don't necessarily, they're older guys as well. So I don't necessarily know if they want to, to, you know, move up in the ranks already, you know, like that maybe has passed them by, so to speak. I just, to me, it, it just makes what this team could do, who they're going to sign. It makes it really difficult to kind of handicap simply because we don't know what the philosophy of this defense is going to be next year. Yeah. Like, if you had the choice, would you bring Mark Washington back? No. No, I, I think... But you got to replace him with someone. Like, uh, like obviously... Yeah, and that's the problem. You'd, really, have, you'd have someone in mind to bring in. Um, yeah, and that's the thing is I haven't really thought of it all that much, yeah. if I'm being perfectly honest with you. It's Because it's one of those things where, because of what Milanovic said at his introductory press conference, I thought this would already be settled, so it's not something I put a lot of... I was just like, oh, well, at some point we're going to get the coaching staff and then I'm not going to have to worry about it. So I'm not going to put too much like energy behind trying to figure out who I would pick, so to speak. Yeah. Because, again, like Milan, we know Milanovic is going to be the OC. He's going to call plays like we know we know the team definitely needs a new special teams coordinator. Like mm-hmm. that's and that that's a little bit less worrisome when it comes to signing free agents because you're not really looking for like special teams guys in free agency unless you're getting like yeah. depth needs and such. But it's the defensive the defensive staff is the one that I'm most interested in. Like that will dictate what type of players this team's gonna want. Yeah, and it'll dictate Well what you about know, you? Would you keep Mark Washington? If we have a I've been saying this for a long time. If there's someone out there that they think is an upgrade, then I would go with that. Uh, Mark Washington's defense, it's no secret, has kind of not impressed me over the years. They've been good, really good at times, and I know that against the run that one year i think they're the best in the league but it just hasn't come together like i'd hoped it would um so i think it's it's probably time to move on in my opinion yeah i think so too i just again normally i hate saying like oh get rid of person x without having person y as an idea to fill the position maybe this is something over the next week we can kind of i mean hopefully by the time we reconvene next week to talk about the other side of that, we're going to talk about offensive free agents next week, and obviously whatever major news comes out. Hopefully by then we will have a defensive coordinator hired, and we would know who they are. Mm-hmm. One because that would be nice. Too. Two because then we would have something to talk about. Um, yes. But maybe if we don't, maybe we uh, we kind of spend the next seven days before we we get back together and look at. Um, maybe come back with a list of guys that we maybe think could fill that role. Yeah. Yep. I'm down. All right. That was pod TV for this week. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.